0: Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to study the Word of God. Thankful for the riches of the Lord's blessings upon us. Greatest of all, that He gave His Son, that we could be reconciled to Him. And that He, through the Spirit, and by the preaching of the Gospel, called to us. And He did that individually, calling His church out of the world and into the marvelous light of the sons of God. We're thankful today to have part in the family, and we're certainly thankful for the family of God, those that He's redeemed and that He's changed. We're thankful to have part with such a wonderful family. We're thankful for each one of you that take the time to listen to us. I know we're pitiful in every way um, and struggle a lot of times to get across the Word of God as we can see it. and. Uh, we just hope that we could be a help to you as as you give your time to listen. I hope that the Word could be a help to you through the Spirit. And that's the only way we can be a benefit is through the Spirit and the Word of God. And We pray the Lord would help us to do so and that He would strengthen you and your heart as well by the same Spirit. So we're looking at Elijah and Elisha. Um, we got down... In 1 Kings chapter 18. Last time we seen Elijah and Obadiah meet, and we seen Obadiah give his testimony to Elijah, and um Elijah sends him to Ahab to tell him that I'm gonna meet him today. So Elijah and Ahab are gonna meet. They're gonna meet not on Ahab's terms. Ahab had sought for him for at least three and a half years he sought the nations that were neighboring he took oaths of the nations that Elijah wasn't there he couldn't find him Ahab could not find the Word of God on his own terms but now the Word of God's ready to meet with him and Ahab's going to meet with him and I'd like to say this as well this is the only place in the scripture that I know of that we really see the man Obadiah. We get a little introduction to him and what a testimony the man leaves on the pages of Scripture. A man in wicked times, a man in dark times, living under and the governor of a a great and rebellious man's house, a king that was slaying the prophets of God. And yet here's a man that has the courage To hide these men and to feed them with bread and water. Hide a hundred prophets of the Lord from Ahab and Jezebel even while he's living there in the same house. The power of God is able to keep, to save, to provide for and to preserve a people in the midst of wicked times. And that gives great hope to us today. I realize that The truth of God is being traded, it's being cast down, it's being sold. Talking with a fella yesterday. And you know, you think about the churches that have fallen away, and certainly, even naturally speaking, many churches have fallen away. But when you buckle that down to spiritual, and how many churches still hold the true spiritual interpretation and doctrines straight out of the Word of God, not influenced by opinion, not influenced by traditions, but that that's true out of the Word of God, there are so very few. What a remnant that the true church of God and those that hold to the true gospel are. But God's able even in these days to keep and provide for and to save a church and certainly we're thankful for that if he was not then my children wouldn't have any hope and your children or your grandchildren they wouldn't have any hope either but our God is able where sin abounds grace doth much more abound and we're thankful for his mindfulness of us and his provision so we saw Elijah and Ahab meet face to face for the first time in three and a half years now it's not rained the last time Elijah and Ahab met Elijah said it's not going to rain God's going to shut the heavens up because of your sin because of your rebellion because of your hard-heartedness and stiff-neckedness to the Word of God God's going to shut the heavens up and there will not be rain or dew till I say so and certainly that word had come true Three and a half years, with no rain and no dew, and what great destruction had come on the land. And you know, Ahab and Jezebel, they had tried many ways to bring rain back. They tried killing all the prophets of the Lord and getting rid of them out of the land. If we can get rid of the word of God, then surely that will take care of this problem. But the men of God are never the problem. There's a God that stands behind His Word. And His Word will not fail, no matter what man does or the lengths man tries to go to overrule it. And no question, she had her prophets of Baal and of the groves, and no doubt they had prayed and sought after and cried after rain on behalf of Ahab and Jezebel, and that was to no avail. And it had went so long, Three and a half years. Now, there was no way you could say, well, this is just a drought. We had one of these ten years ago. It had never been like this. And it never has been like this on the earth since this time. That here's a country, a place where there's been no rain whatsoever for three and a half years. Not even dew on the ground. So, without question, God proved that this was by His power and authority. And in the, the long duration, God proved that the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the groves, and all the links that Ahab and Jezebel were willing to go, that none of that was sufficient to bring rain. The only time that rain came was when God saw fit to send it. And so Elijah and Elisha meet, and Ahab says, Elijah, he doesn't say Elijah, he sees Elijah, and says, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Troubleth to roll water, to disturb, or to afflict, or agitate. Now Elijah, you're the one that's caused this problem. Now what about, that's the way man does the word of God today. Man is sinful, man is rebellious, Man is unwilling to repent. Man does not want to hear of God or His strength. And when trouble comes upon man, even when just conviction of sin falls upon man's heart, then it's the man of God's fault. It's the Word of God's fault. It's never that I'm unwilling to come to the terms of the Word of God. It's not that I'm unwilling to humble down to God's Word. No, it's God's Word's fault. If we can get rid of that, then everything will be okay. We looked last time at many examples, all through the Scripture, where the Word of God and the men of God were hated because of the message that they had. They were called unpatriotic. They were weakening the hands of the army. They were ignorant and unlearned men. Over and over and over again, the preachers and uh, prophets of the Word of God were despised by those round about them because the message they had did not agree with what they thought or what they believed, and the men of God suffered as a result of it. But that never changed the Word of God. It never changed the truth. And even when Eli- uh, Jeremiah said, I'm going to quit, there was no place of quitting. God wouldn't allow that to be. But they were hated. They were despised. And friends, what a place to be in when you yourself consider the Word of God to be your enemy. The means that God provided to warn of sin, of eternal judgment and damnation and hell, and to reveal the plan of God through Jesus Christ to bring salvation, when that Word of God is your enemy, then salvation is out of the question. People cannot be saved and hate the Word of God. There's no way. It's impossible. Those that are saved, they are begotten by the Word of God. So, we now look at verse 18. Elijah is going to answer Ahab, and his wicked, wicked response to Elijah. Elijah, you're the problem, and Elijah. And he answered, "Have I not, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and has followed Balaam." Ahab, the problem is, that you have forsaken. That word means to loosen to permit, or to relinquish. You have relinquished the hold that the commandments of God would have upon you. You've loosened the requirements of God upon you. And you've not only done that, but you've turned and went after Baal. And now, I, I believe this is always the case. When man loosens and relinquishes and turns away from God, there's always something else that's going to fill that place in that man or that woman's life. There's always something that they turn to, something that comes in and overcomes them. And we have that parable that the Lord Jesus gives. It's in Matthew and in Luke, where the unclean spirit has gone out of a man. He comes back, sees it swept and garnished and empty, and he moves back in with seven devils more wicked than himself. Now there is a heart, a life that was dealt with by the Word of God. The Word of God was refused and turned away and the devil moved back in. Well friends, when you turn away from the Lord, the devil is going to be prepared. He's going to fight. He's going to war. He's going to overcome. If we won't repent at the Word of God, know this, the devil is in full control. But what's brought this judgment? Ahab, it's you. You've made the decision. You've relinquished. You've allowed. You've permitted for God to be forsaken and for Baal to be served. Ahab, you've you've done this. This is on your head. You're the one that's brought this trouble on Israel. Shocking, isn't it? that the gospel would bring conviction upon a life and it be the the reason is because that life is sinful and ungodly wicked and rebellious and guilty before god and the lord would like to convince man of that to this end that he would repent that's the problem the problem is not that the Word of God is outdated. The problem is that man is rebellious, hard-hearted, and sinful. And so in, in Proverbs 11, here's Ahab, a man that's been reproved. And this is what he says in Proverbs 11, verse 19. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it. To his own death. Ahab was pursuing evil, forsaking the commandments of God, and pursuing wickedness. And because of that, he was pursuing that unto his own death. And what death and destruction that sin had caused in Ahab's kingdom by the drought and the drought alone. And yet, still, He's unwilling to repent, unwilling to come to the Word of God, unwilling to see that he's the problem. Well, in Proverbs 29, verse number 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Know this. God will allow Ahab to go on for a little while, but those that are often reproved and they harden their neck, and they will not hear, and they will not repent, and they strive onward in sin, they will be destroyed by the hand of God. And it will not be God's fault. It will not be the preacher's fault, the church's fault, the Word's fault. It will be the fault of the soul that chose to go on in sin. So who... Let's ask this question then. Who is choosing to go on in sin and rebel against the commandment of God today? The truth is the whole world. All of mankind is choosing to rebel against the commandment of God, to loosen the requirements of God on their life, and to go after and serve Baal. Now, Baal... And we did a study, it's been a pretty good while back, on idols and images. And Baal, Baal was an idol, a false god. But what it was is you serve Baal however you want to. Whatever pleases you. And that's the way man serves God today. They think God's going to accept whatever they're willing to give. And they're willing to give whatever pleases them. Well, friends... That's unacceptable to God. And the whole world that goes after lies and deceit and ungodliness and sin. And there's only a, a small number, a remnant of people, that's turned from sin and come to the word of God. Now how did that small number of mankind turn from sin and turn to God for redemption? Either they're smarter, they're better than, they're more wise than all the rest of mankind, or God's shown them mercy. And as we read of Noah, the whole world was intent, every imagination and thought was continually evil, and yet Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Not because Noah was seeking God. Not because he was a, a better fella than everybody else. But even the word grace, unmerited, unwarranted favor of God. The divine influence of God in the life and heart of man. It's unmerited and unwarranted. Yet Noah found grace. Will the church today, though sinful like the rest of the world, And though before the power of God came, we were hard-hearted and stiff-necked, just like the world that we see out among us today. We were just like them. We did not mind the commandment of God. We relinquished and loosened the requirements of God on our life, and we ran after sin until the grace of God was shown unto our hearts. So, and I'm sorry for that sidebar, but you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed after Balaam. Now you think about this now. God has proven through this this drought that He's God and there is no other God. But He's going to prove it even more here in just a verse or two. But in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13, For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So now you think about the silliness of having a spring of living water on your property. But instead of drawing water from that, We're going to dig out a hole in the rock and we're going to catch rainwater where the mosquitoes and the bugs and the filth and the leaves and the algae and the mold can grow. And that's what we're going to get water out of. Well, Ahab's going to turn his back on the true God, the one that created the heavens and the earth, the God that gave life unto mankind, the God that spoke the world into existence, the God that parted the Red Sea, the God that brought Israel out of Egypt, the God that through his power allowed Ahab to be as he was, and he's going to turn to a broken cistern, Baal. Now, if God is God, and there's none beside him, then if we turn from the truth of the word, what if we turn to Certainly nothing has any power in it. There's no deliverance in any other. There's no salvation in any other. All there is is pleasure to the flesh. And that's enough for man today. It's just enough to make me feel good and pleasure my flesh. Well, we can forsake and turn away, but know this, that you're leaving the only God that can redeem you and you're turning to a God that is not a God at all but he has no eyes no ears no mouth no power no life we're turning to that that's going to destroy us just as Ahab pursued evil to his own death mankind today is pursuing evil to their own death and destruction So, verse 19, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So I would say this, because of the condition that the land was in after three and a half years of drought, Ahab's willing to do anything that rain would come. Now here's the man that Ahab knows brought the drought on by the word of God. He's the man, the only man, that there's hope in bringing rain back. It looked like, and remember at the early part of this chapter, Ahab and Obadiah's going out to find just a little bit of grass, a little bit of water, that all the beasts wouldn't die. They were in a place of hopelessness. And now here's Elijah. And Elijah says, Gather everybody together and get the prophets to Mount Carmel. Meet me there. Ahab, under a normal circumstance, would not have been willing to submit to this. But God brought a drought and brought a crippling condition under the country. That Ahab is willing to do anything that there might be some rain. Now, I believe that. And so, Elijah says, get everybody together, all Israel, and bring those prophets. So, we're going to see 450 prophets of Baal. And by the word, Elijah also calls 400 prophets of the groves. So Ahab and Jezebel had 850 prophets of their own purpose and of their own cause. But, and we'll, we'll see this as we get down into the scripture, those prophets of the groves, those 400, they won't show up at the Mount Carmel. It will only be the 450 prophets of Baal that show up. And we'll see the end of that in the end. Elijah says bring everybody together and let's see what can happen as God's in the midst. So Ahab is willing to submit. He calls out to all the children of Israel and says come to Mount Carmel and he gets tells the prophets come unto Mount Carmel. So Elijah says bring them up here and meet me there. And in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So, the word of God there is saying, let's do an examination, a true and a thorough examination of our lives. Now, what are we looking for? And a lot of people, they get hung up on well baptism church membership faithfulness to church well I read this many chapters a week well I'm a good person and they've got a list of all these natural things that they think in examination uh, proves that they're saved and born again but now in this verse examine whether you be in the faith and prove your own sales Now, let's let's have a true examination. Let's get down to the bottom of it and let's discover the truth. Let's prove it. Know ye not how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobate? So that's what the examination is for. Whether or not the power of God in the Spirit dwelleth within our heart or not. All of the works of man are nothing and worthless and useless. We're looking for the power of God. So what's Elijah gonna do? Well, we're gonna bring all these people together. We're gonna have a contest. We're gonna prove who's truly God. Now wouldn't it be a benefit that if I'm in a place that I'm unsure, that I don't know, that that I'm questioning, wouldn't it be a good idea for me To examine my own self thoroughly by the Word of God. To see whether I'm in the faith or not. To see whether the Spirit of God is in me or not. To try to see that I might be saved in truth and not be following after a lie. That's not an unreasonable thought. But boy, that's... Man is most unwilling to reason with the word of God and to examine their own self and see whether they're in the faith. But what a benefit it would be to know the truth that something could be done about it. He says in Galatians chapter 6 verse number 4 But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So the word of God says prove your own work. To test, to scrutinize. That's what that word prove means. Let's see whether what we have is indeed the real thing. Let's see that the salvation we claim is indeed salvation from God. Elijah's getting the prophets together, and he says, let's see whether the God that they serve, and the word that they give, whether that's true or God. There, neither It can't be both. Do you see that? The prophets of Baal can't be correct, and Elijah be correct. It's only one or the other. Why don't we prove and see... Who's right? And that's what Elijah's going to do. Well, between the Word of God and me, if I'm not in agreement with the Word of God, then we're both not correct. There's only one truth. There's many lies, but there's only one truth. And that's true for everything. You ask me what I did yesterday, I could give an infinite number of answers, of things that I did yesterday that would be a lie, but there's only one answer that I can give to that question that is indeed the truth. There's only one truth. So both aren't correct. Why don't we prove what's right? Whether the word of God's right or whether I'm right. In Revelation 2, verse number 2, He's speaking to the church there of Ephesus. And I know thy works, thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Now the church at Ephesus was testing and scrutinizing the lives of people that said they were apostles, that said they were men of God, they were testing and looking for the spirit and power of God in their life, the evidence that God would give them. God help us to desire some evidence of what we claim to have. So Ahab sent the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And so again, Ahab's got no choice here. Everything's going to die if something doesn't happen. And Elijah's the only hope there is of something happening. So he obeys what Elijah says. He calls all the people of Israel together. And he calls the prophets together. So in verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. So halt, it means to hop, skip over, hesitate, or limp. So they're hopping, they're limping between two opinions, divided in mind, or a sentiment. So Elijah says unto all the people, How long are we going to limp? between these two opinions. How long are we going to remain divided in the mind? You know, when you're divided in the mind now, of who's God and what is the truth, then you're not able to serve either one like you'd truly like to. So he's calling them to a place of ultimate decision. And I believe this and Joshua's question, which is very familiar. You see this scripture quite a bit. In Joshua 24:15, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So choose you this day. Let's not halt between two opinions. Let's not be divided in mind. Let's not be unsure about this question any longer. But today, let's get this settled. Let's figure out today in our hearts who's God. And whichever one is God, whichever one is truth, why don't we follow and serve Him and lay down this divided mindset that we've had. Matthew six twenty four, and I I guess this is very familiar scripture as well no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon there's no place to serve two masters what you wind up with is you're crippled, you're halt, you're limping, you're hopping. And that's that word hop, it's a picture of a man that's got an injured leg, and he's not able to walk on it, so he's hopping, he's limping. It's got him crippled up that he can't do as he would like. What here, and you know mankind... Mankind would like to serve the world. We'd like to serve Baal, the flesh, and our will, and yet sprinkle a little God on top of that as well. Well, that's not the way it's going to be. Let's figure it out. Who's true and who's right? And whichever one's right, why don't we serve him? Now, that doesn't sound like an unreasonable question. That sounds very reasonable to me. So, Elijah says, let's do a test. And today, let's figure out the solution to this problem. Today, let's figure out who's God. Let's figure out who the truth is. And whichever one is true, that's the one we're going to follow. We're not going to be halted between two opinions any longer. And may God help us. To no longer halt between two opinions, but whichever is God, let us search it out. Let us examine ourselves. Let us see where we stand today. And whatever's the truth, let us believe the truth. Letting go of the lie and the deceit, and let us take hold and believe the truth of the Word of God. That we might be saved, we might have life, law that we could be blessed. And no longer halt between two opinions. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have two masters. But when you're pleasing one, you're forsaken the other. that's the way it is with God and with the flesh. When you're pleasing the flesh, you forsook God. When you're pleasing God, you have to forsake the flesh. So this struggle that exists and it's there. The warfare rages on. And oftentimes we're crippled between the flesh and the will of the flesh and God and the will of God. And we don't know which to do. We don't know which we ought to follow. We don't know who we ought to obey. We don't know who we ought to serve. God says you can't serve me and mammon. Don't be deceived about that. But when you serve mammon... When you serve the flesh, when you seek after the world, you've forsaken me. Now you think about the halting picture there. We've got in Second Corinthians 6, he's going to quote some Old Testament scripture. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So you've got the picture there from the law. The law says, the law of Moses in the word of God, that you, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. You can't tether your donkey and ox in the same yoke and plow because they do not pull at the same rate. It will not work. Now you can have two oxen together and they'll pull together and share the load. You can have two donkeys together and let them pull together and share the load. But when you put an ox and a donkey together, one pulls slower, one pulls faster. They will not be able to work together to the glory of God. Now that's a picture of marriage. I believe that. That a believer, somebody that is born again and saved, ought not be married to somebody that's lost and undone, because you're creating an unequal yoke you're going to be pulling and seeking after God, they're going to be pulling and seeking after mammon, and all that's going to cause is confusion and trouble. Believers ought to be yoked with believers and not with the world. But you see how that unequal yoke, how that that causes trouble to the man behind that's trying to plow. You'll never get a straight line With an unequal yoke. So that's the same way that we are when we're divided in our mind. We can't really get anything accomplished because when we would serve God, Baal is there to say, wait a minute. And when we would serve Baal, God is there to say, hold up a minute. And we're unable to get anything accomplished. We can't freely serve God because we're tied up in Baal worship. We can't freely serve Baal because we know what God says. So that's where the children of Israel were, like the church of the Laodiceans, neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. They were halt between the two, and they had become useless in the kingdom of God. But Elijah says let's do this and let's do it today. Let's not put this off another minute. Let's have a test and let's see who God really is. And when we find out who God is, let's follow him. Now, he he's got spiritual sense and he knows that Baal is not God. Elijah knows that from the beginning. If Elijah was unsure, then he would not be up on the mountain facing 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah knows who God is. And he knows that Baal is no God. But notice he says, If Baal, then follow him. He's given him a window. And he says, Look, if you're right, then let's go after that. But if I'm right... Then hear what I say and repent. Wouldn't that be good? Let's just find out what the truth is and let's go with it. Let's not halt any longer. Let's figure out the truth and go with it. But now to figure out the truth, you got to cut away tradition. you got to cut away thoughts. And let's dig in the Word of God for what the Word of God says. We're going to have to be willing to see the truth. Let's come to the truth and let's follow that which is right. Don't be halt any longer. And they answered him, not a word. How do you answer that? See see how halt they are? They don't even agree to what Elijah says here. There's no answer, there's no response. And often that's the way it is, under the Word of God. The Word of God comes and there's no response to the Word of God. Well, the Word's doing its job then, because in Romans chapter 3 verse 19, the law came that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. When God's Word speaks, it brings in a silence from the mouths of man. How could you not agree with what Elijah says here? I mean, even, even if you're overcome by Baal worship, if you're one of the prophets of Baal, if you truly believe that you're right, and I, I have no reason to doubt that these prophets of Baal were convinced in their hearts, that Baal was God. Even if that's the state, then wouldn't you agree to this? Why, yeah, we're going to prove this man Elijah wrong. But you got to agree to the whole terms. You can come, come to the house of God, come and hear the gospel. But now if the word of God backs up what I say, the word of God backs up What the preacher says, in truth now, Paul says we don't handle the Word of God deceitfully. I'm not taking it and twisting it into a message that benefits me, that benefits my tradition, that benefits what I think, that benefits what people that I know have believed in the past. No, none of that. Let's get down to what the Bible says, let's get settled on it, and let's believe it. If the Bible says it the way you think then let's go with it. But if not, then let's go with the truth. That ought to be a prospect, an agreement, that the whole world could come to. Let's just come to the truth. Believe the gospel. Not be halt between two opinions any longer. I think we'll stop there. Thankful for the study of the word of God. I apologize Felt like we rambled a lot in the beginning. It took us a long time to really get anywhere, and I'm sorry for that. But I hope the Word of God could be a help to you. Next week, we'll pick up right here, uh, Elijah and the prophets on the mountain. Hope you have a wonderful week. Blessed in the Lord. We love you.